It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, I see Grady Jarrett feels the same way that I do. And the Hawks took a punch from the heat, but this time they kept on swinging. And last but not least, and for the culture, how much are you willing to pay for NFL Sunday ticket? That's all coming up next right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listening of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And this today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more and visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. But T, when you think about... Uh, Grady Jarrett and what he's been through as the defensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. And he's been nothing but a, a true professional ever since the day he was drafted back in 2015. But I kind of had kind of had to pop my collar a little bit because, you know, he got a chance to speak to the media uh, yesterday. And he was talking about how the Calais Campbell signing kind of brings him back to 2016, which was his second year in the, in the NFL. And guess what happened in 2016, T? They made a run to the Super Bowl. Also, they had a lot of young guys on that defense that were brought in to be, you know, uh, staples for that defense. And Deion Jones and Keanu Neal and all of those guys were on that that team in particular. That draft class carried them to the doggone Super Bowl. And I think that when you think about all the additions that the uh, Falcons have made this year defensively with the addition, trading for Jeff Okuda, you know, bringing in David Onyemata and bringing in Jesse Bates, even though I feel like they paid a lot of money for him. But, hey, you know, my expectations are that, hey, he's going to come in and be worth every penny. But when you think about Grady Jarrett reminiscing to and starting to think about some of the things or, or the reasons why uh, Calais Campbell was brought in don't you think it kind of like gives you a feeling of like, okay, the Falcons are doing the right thing here. And I think Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith got a good pulse of where his team needs to be uh, defensively along with Ryan Nielsen. Yeah, I would agree. I know we asked the question, posed the question last week of who was that best offseason acquisition for the Falcons. Right. And I know I raised my hand for Calais Campbell indeed because I felt like Definitely David Onyemata was going to do what he was going to do. But right. ultimately speaking, I felt like Calais Campbell was going to be the all the way around, like the all around difference maker. And yeah, he kind of put us in the mindset, so to speak, of what Dwight Freeney brought to the table when he was acquired. But yeah, I really like what Grady Jarrett is talking about because that's what you have to look at. You look back at, okay, when were we at our height? When were we at our best? When were we the most successful? Right. Like you said, you look at the blueprint. Young guys getting after it, a couple of wily veterans bringing up the rear. That's yeah. your formula for success. So, yeah, I think that you're going back to that formula for success. But I also want to say this, and again, 
not putting out there that all oh, the Falcons are, you know, punching their tickets well, to the Super Bowl. Bowl. But, you know, the point yeah. being that yeah. you also learn lessons when you have someone like Grady Jarrett, who was there when it almost worked but didn't. Now he can say, hey, this is what I know we need to do in order to make it work potentially as far as this team can go. And again, that's not saying that the Falcons are going to go to the Super Bowl, but my point being, Grady has seen it all. Grady has seen when yep. they're able to get almost to the promised land. He has seen the lowest of low, all points in between because of, of the last few middling seasons. So he knows that bringing a guy like Calais Campbell in a winner, a longtime winner who's been with the likes of teams like the Ravens who – and even the Cardinals for the, the impact that he had on it, of course. Collectively. Right, of course, yeah, yes. And even the Jaguars, he knows that that's the guy who can come in and say, okay, Grady has seen the blueprint that's worked for the Falcons. Calais has seen the blueprint that's worked for a number of teams. Now let's put all of that together with all of these young guns, some of which we saw flashes of last year in Arnold Evacati, some of whom we saw flashes the year before, if you will, as well. And you just keep thinking to yourself, okay, when are we going to stop seeing flashes? When are we going to stop seeing flashes? And you and I talked about this as yeah. well. With a Calais Campbell, that doesn't have to just be about the guys in the trenches. Doesn't even have to just be about the front seven. A guy like Richie Grant can even be someone yeah. who's impacted. Oh, yeah. Because of the leadership, because of who Calais Campbell has seen in his defensive 11 to be able to say, okay, I know what an, a successful 11 looks like. Right. And yeah. so he could bring all of that to the table. So, no, I was excited about Grady's comments because to me, it just like you said, co-signs on what we've been talking about here as well. No doubt about it. And and, and even go over to the, on the other side of the football and, and talk about uh, Desmond Ritter, because it's one thing that I feel like Campbell said um, when he got a chance to speak with him um, when he was talking to the media and um, in response to a question that I asked, he was talking about how he got a chance to look at some film on Desmond Ritter and he liked what he saw. And I was like, yeah, that's a that's an in-depth dude. That's that's the next level type stuff. That's the type of professionalism that is going to exude itself across the whole entire locker room, not just on the defensive side of football. So yeah, I'm with you. Calais Campbell coming in, Grady Jarrett. He listened, of course, he listened to the show, you know, and, and heard us and said, you know what, I feel the same exact way as Jarvis and Tanisha do. So yeah, man, we man, we're doing big things over here, right here on ATL Day Ones, uh, T. When you think about last night, we, we were talking about how we were kind of excited, super excited about Kyle Wright, you know, getting doing his thing and, and getting back on the mound. And uh, last night it didn't go all too well. And specifically in the third inning when he had, what, 37 pitches in that particular inning? And, and you're thinking about uh, putting guys on base and walking guys in and the hit by pitches and all that stuff. It just seemingly looked like a bad outing, but for me, I'm at the space where this is baseball. This is going to take time. When you're talking about ramping up periods, these guys are creatures of habit. And when that thing's get thrown off like it did when he had to get that quarter zone shot in his shoulder, you got to say, hey, it's going to take some time. Now, if we're talking about three or four starts in, he's still giving up runs and hitting batters and not really having control of his pitches and, and not really knowing from a pitch selection standpoint as well. That's when I get uh, a little bit more concerned, but not too concerned last night as far as Kyle Wright's performance overall. No, you really weren't because it's always about the, oh, God, cliched phrase, but it's the truth. Yeah. Next man up. Yeah. You just 
hope that you have the right guy who can step in place. And Michael Tonkin, who himself yes, is a bit of a absolutely. German, was mm-hmm. able to step in after Kyle Wright could only give three innings, and he was able to get it done along with the bullpen, right? And right. again, there will be nights where your pitching rotation and your bullpen just don't get it done for you, and that's when your bats need to show up. And, you know, we've yes. kind of been sitting on 99, 99, 99 for Ozzy Albee. So finally yeah. we get off the 99 schneid and he gets his 100. And isn't it interesting that you and I were just talking about yesterday how everybody needed to be patient with Sean Murphy. And if you're patient with him, he'll show up big. He showed up with his two-run home runs. And I remember saying not unlike what we saw with Matt Olson last year. Yes. It took a little while, quite a yeah. little while to get going. But once he got the bat going, he got it going and he brought that into this season. And of course, what does he do last night? He hits a two run home run and that's the end. So look, you get it done how you get it done. Sometimes it's going to be at the plate. Sometimes it's going to be outfield because the Braves are amazing defensively. Sometimes it's going to be at the mound. Sometimes it's going to be all three that you need just to get a win. And last night was one of those where literally everybody had to kind of pitch in to get the Braves around the Reds. Yeah, and that and that's the thing that I really love about this squad because when you think about all of the things that, you know, how this roster has been constructed, we've been giving Alex Anthopoulos all the credit. It's possible. It's like the way Alex, Alex Anthopoulos gets love on this podcast, you would think that he is paying us out of his back pocket. He's not. Let me just go and let y'all know because I know how y'all get sometimes. Y'all go down a rabbit hole. But I get it. I understand. But I, I think that, you know, we have to continue to reiterate it because it continues to show, right? You talked about the bullpen and Tonkin coming in with throwing three three scoreless innings and coming in and doing his thing. And, and then you have guys like uh, uh, um, Anderson coming in and, do, and doing well. And, you know, Joe Jimenez, you know, he's just a work in progress. But, you know, like, you, got, you got people that are in line to come in and do what they need to do and what do what you brought them in for. And I think Tonkin is a, a, an amazing story, by the way. Yeah. The perseverance that he showed in his career just to be able to stick with this thing and, 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 and the fact that his wife was a big influence as to why he kept pitching. You know, it just goes to show you, man, get you a good woman in your life, man. I'm telling you, man, it'll change. I'm a, I'm a witness. I'm, I'm a witness, too. You know? And we want to say, just to clarify, <laughs> Nick Anderson versus Ian Anderson, because, you know, sometimes it's good to know the whys of a situation as well. Yeah. So that, of course, was Nick Anderson last night, whereas Ian Anderson, we finally know, going to have to have Tommy John because yeah, something yeah. has been off with him yeah. for a while, and a lot of us thought it was the mental piece there. But it looks like now there's even a physical component to it because, of course, the UCL tear. And so yeah. he's going to be pretty much he's a done deal. But that goes back to what you said. You just keep having these pieces that Alex Anthopoulos adds in anticipation of what if this happens? What if that happens? What if it takes Kyle Wright a third or even a quarter or even a half of the season to get, no pun intended, right? You mm-hmm. want to have those pieces in place that can uplift you and you want to be able to say, I don't really know which direction it's coming from tonight, yeah. but I know somebody's going to do it. So last night it was essentially Michael Tonkin and Jesse Chavez doing a thing. The next time it may be a Dylan Lee doing it. So yeah, you just really are always wanting to be in position where it doesn't really matter who does it. You just want somebody to be able to do it. Somebody to be able to get it done. Somebody to be able to close it out. Yeah. It's something about having the confidence about, no, it doesn't matter what the name is on the back of the Jersey. You just know that, He's there for a reason, and whoever it is, they're going to do exactly what they were paid to do. I mean, that's that's all you can ask as a general manager and a manager as well in Brian Schnicker. Now, T, 
I don't know what the hell that was last night when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks, but uh, we're going to have to talk about that next. But first, we got to talk about FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It is the number one sports book in America. If you are listening to us right now, that means you rock with the number one podcast in America. Yeah, I ain't got no numbers to back it up, but hey, I'm going to keep it funky with y'all. If y'all rocking with us, we already know we're going to give you the good stuff each and every day by becoming an everydayer. I'll tell you about a little bit about that a little bit later on. But I got to continue to tell you about FanDuel because guess what? They have for all the new customers, they have the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. If your first bet doesn't win, so take advantage of what they have going on. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Now sign up, excuse me, place your first bet and you get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Aaron Judge to pick up where he left off with a home run. A pitcher can go over to, on, on strikeouts. I have all the type of bets that you want. So make sure that you don't miss out on your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So Jarvis... There's this old adage that rang true in a number of areas last night, and that is three simple words. Numbers don't lie. 22 to 6 may have been the number that stood out for me the most because that is exactly what we talked about as a key part of the winning formula for Quinn Snyder. We're talking about a middling team in the Hawks in terms of offensive rebounding and second chance points. Last night, If you really dig into the numbers and you remember that, what, 26 to 4 run that the Miami Heat went on in the third quarter that made you think, oh, dear God, not again. Here we go again. Oh, dear God, not again. Mm -hmm. But there were critical moments, and I remember hearing multiple names. One time it was Clint Capella with the offensive rebound. The next time it was Onyeka Okongu. I even heard Trey Young's name in there one time for an offensive rebound. My point being, the offensive rebounds, 22 to 6, is what carried this team to the win. That's how the Hawks walked away with what many call, and maybe this show would call on some level too, a shocking win of 116-105 over the Heat in their building. But we kind of saw this coming because if you also think about the last two contests, Hawks versus Heat, Quinn Snyder was in at the helm, but he was just getting his legs under him. It was an eight-point loss versus a blowout. And then the last game was just a two-point loss by the Hawks. So you sort of kind of saw this coming. You just didn't know if they were going to be able to put it together and then keep it together and start to finish from the first man in the rotation all the way down to the ninth man in the rotation. Every single guy, Jarvis, not just understood the assignment, but actually executed it. And and that's why I kind of – if we were giving out game balls uh, at the end of the game, I'm giving it to Quinn Snyder because yeah. when you think of when you the thing that you just mentioned is the main reason why I feel like Quinn Snyder is here. Everybody understood the assignment. Everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do. It's just up to you to go out there and execute. And and when you think about guys like Sadiq Bay, Jalen Johnson, Onyeka Okongwu, who was a beat machine last night. When you, you know what I'm saying? Like that play when he uh, went straight up with Bam Adebayo, I was like, oh, the Hawks are winning this game. You know that was that was my objective, me. But you know my Atlanta fan was like, no, 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 no
don't even put yourself in that fandom. Yeah. That was one of the critical examples of a play that took you back to Onyeko Okabu yeah. two years ago. Yep. When and and giving you know credit even to Nate McMillan back at that time when everybody knew once Double O took on the big man, the whether it was the at the four or the five, he was going to shut that big man down. Yep. So no the play you just called out is a perfect example of knowing oh. That double okay. You're different. Play. Oh, okay, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and that's what the uh, I'm starting to work out of my 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 funk, my no expectation funk. I'm trying to work out of it. T. I'm, I'm just just be patient with it. I'm trying to work up out of that. But I think that when but when you see things like that, because you're not used to the Hawks being the having those type of plays, right? Because you're used to those plays being made on them or against them, you know, and, and, and the other team getting fired up or, or getting ramped up because you just saw the guys dapping them up because he had kind of went over, you know, to the by the bench, you know, at some point with one of his other blocks and everybody was just dapping him up like, yeah, and you know, oh, out there walking around with his chest tucked, tucked out like a little rooster, you know what I'm saying? I'm just sitting up like, man, this is this is the type of stuff that. You you feel like you know that happens right before a team goes on a run. I'm not sitting up here saying that the, they're going to beat the Boston Celtics. Still no expectation, right. but I think that you feel like this team has a better chance to you know at least compete against this team because yes. the Boston Celtics have been their nemesis as well. When it comes yeah. to three points made, like the Celtics know what time it is. They are marking their calendars when they play against the Atlanta Hawks. Like, it don't even have to be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown either. Well, oh, uh, no. Pritchard it's last time went off. <laughs> just randos out here, just everybody yeah. hitting threes against the Hawks. So, I think that, you know, as they get prepared for this, I think last night was a good indicator as to, okay, we at least understand what we have to do. It's just all, it's up to us to do what we're supposed to do to go out there and execute because Quinn Snyder is laying out the blueprint. The blueprint, And I think that you got to respect that from a standpoint of because look who was going up against last night from on the other, on, on the bench right there. Eric Spolster is one of the more respected head coaches in the NBA. So I think that matching minds and going up against the Boston Celtics. I think I'm very excited as far as for this series because I want to see the adjustments. I want to see what's to, what, what's going on when it comes to oh, how the uh, Hawks are going to be able to adjust once these games get rolling on Saturday. Yeah, and there are two points that you made there as well. I'll start with the back, the latter, and then the former. Latter being, we have seen over the years that Eric Spolstra has been masterful. That That's one of his signature uh, I guess advantages, if you will, one one of the signature tools in his toolbox. Right. He makes halftime adjustments like arguably no other coach in the entire league. So right. that was what I was looking for in that third quarter. Like, okay, he's going to come out and they're they're going to come for blood because that that's what he does. And they did twenty six to four run. But there was also a key point, the former point that you made, and that is about the execution of Quinn Snyder's game plan. There's something he said earlier in the day at his meeting with the media. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the fact that he wanted his guys to shoot. He was okay with them shooting three-pointers. Let let that go. Yeah. As long as it's a quality shot, shoot. Shoot your shot. And what I liked about that is this. The Hawks heard him. They definitely went for it from the three-point line, but the three wasn't falling for him. They were only 10 of 41. But Jarvis, how efficient were they from the field? 24% maybe just from three-point, but 47% from the field. And to me, that also talked about having or utilizing your basketball IQ and executing the plan because Quinn Snyder already told you, feel free to shoot the three. If it's there for you, go ahead and shoot it, even if it doesn't fall in. But 
on the same token, let your basketball IQ tell you where you can take advantage. So there were a couple of plays in there where, sure, could DeJounte Murray have kicked it out for three? Absolutely. Chose to drive instead. Could yeah. Trey Young, Bogdan, I mean, I could you could go down the list. Sadiq Bay, there was one in particular where I really thought, okay, Sadiq Bay's probably going to kick that ball out. He went inside himself, and it, it turned out to be an and one. So little things like that where you're seeing nuances to how they're thinking about and watching the flow of the game, I think those things are critical. And another thing that we have been applauding on this show that we want to just shout out to before we wrap up as well is the bench mob 2.0. The yeah. Bench mob, in your own building, typically when your second unit shows up and shows out. But last night, the bench mob, the second unit that we in like the 41 wins, right? And even some of those closer losses, that four man team out of the nine person rotation accounted for 53 points, 53 points, 19 rebounds, eight assists, five steals, five blocks. If you're going yeah. to even make some noise in that Celtics series, this is what you have to have out of your second unit. Yeah, they're going to have to be consistent. And I think that the main thing that for me is what Quinn Snyder, the funny the funny thing that when Quinn Snyder said that, Trey Young overheard him. He's like, yes, sir, coach. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm going to take those. I'm going to take those three-point shots, you know, if I have them. So, And I think that the, 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 the real thing is about not only taking them, but knowing what you have to do if you miss them. And we know that they were – banging, crashing those boards. Like, Clint Capella had, what, four points and 21 rebounds? I was like, I haven't seen a stat line that since Den- like that since Dennis Robin. I was like, whoa, this is old-school basketball right here. So, yeah, I think yeah. that everything was working uh, like a machine last night. Like you said, you know, the Hawks, we knew that the Hawks, I mean, uh, the Heat were going to come back out in the third quarter. Because I, I tweeted out in the second quarter, I was like, this all look good, but we all know what time it is when that third quarter hits. And I think that we saw the push, but – I think the the main thing and the difference between what we used to seeing and what we saw last night is the fact that the Hawks punch back, and I think that's the biggest thing for sure. Yeah, and that second unit was really the reason that, oh, yeah. to me, it, yeah, exactly, because you didn't have the greatest night from DeAndre Hunter. You didn't have the greatest night from Clint Capella as far as the offense was concerned, right, and a right. decent night from John Collins. So, yeah, to be able to plug in those pieces and get a win like that, I, I do believe it allows you to go back to the lab the next couple of days and say at least what's the game plan for us to compete with the Celtics. So you guys know all the reaction that you need about these NBA playing games because I'm sure just like everybody thought that the Hawks were going to, excuse me, the Heat were going to come back on the Hawks and pull that thing out. I think a lot of people thought, hmm, are the Lakers going to pull it out against the Wolves? Well, they did. So if you want all the reaction to what happened in what, night one? of the NBA playing around, you should check out Lockdown Sports today. They've got the reaction to it all. The upsets, the shocks, the, oh, we thought that was going to happen. Oh, my goodness, LeBron is in his 20th year playoffs, so on and so forth. That's where you go for your reaction. So you know where to go for your first stop. It's always going to be ATL Day 1, but your second stop, make sure that is Lockdown Sports today because they've got their version of For the Culture. It's called Take of the Day. So, Check us out on YouTube, and don't forget to listen wherever you download your podcasts. Lockdown Sports Atlanta family, listen up. Let me tell you something. 
all the people who've been rocking with us each and every day, they are part of the group called the Everydayers. If you don't listen to us more than once a day, please go ahead and become an Everydayer because there's a lot of cool things we got coming up that we're going to be doing for you all. So we really appreciate you guys in advance for rocking with us Monday through Friday because you might miss something if you don't. Now, but T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because just just how we get down on the show today is no different. How about this, T? So I remember back when 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 you had Direct TV, you were able to get NFL Sunday ticket for the free ski. It was included, and that was only one of the only reasons why I was with Direct TV back then. But now, you know, a lot of things have changed. TV deals, people switching up stuff, and all that stuff going away. So um, the um, YouTube has announced its pricing for NFL Sunday Ticket because they're going to be the one to host it this year. So it's going to cost $349 per season if you're a YouTube subscriber, and it's going to cost $449 um, for the season if you're a non-YouTube TV subscriber. T. Let me go ahead. I would probably know the answer to this, and you've already started the answer. But, you know, as a fan, you know, I know T would, I know what T would do, but <laughs> should fans be willing to should fans be willing to pay this amount of money just to be able to, you know, essentially watch highlights of all the NFL games on Sundays? I mean, if that's what you want to do with your extra cash, do you? <laughs> As for me and my house, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Like, There's I mean, be a better way, Jars. Yeah, yeah. For the average fan to be able to watch more than just their team, right? Because right. Of course, yeah, you're gonna see the Falcons as long as you have Fox Five in the Atlanta Metro. You're pretty much gonna see the Falcons, right? Yeah, and you're gonna have every pre-game, post-game known to man whether you have Fox 5 or not you can see that pretty much anywhere even like if you watch us on 11 Alive when we join Maria Martin or Reggie Chapman you're going to hear reaction to the to the game right but if you want to watch more than just that I don't feel like I should have to do all that just to watch the Steelers in case they're not on CBS that particular day it just seems like you're asking yeah. for a bit much yeah it's like my, my whole thing with with all of this is the fact that I feel like you know, these cable companies are compartmentalizing things too much. Like when you think about, oh, I got to pay $9 for this channel or I've got to pay $10 for this channel on top of my monthly fee. You know what I'm saying? So I just did the bath, did little calculations. So if you're a YouTube subscriber, it's about 58 bucks a month. And if you are a non-YouTube subscriber, that's like $75 a month. Like, like who has that extra, you know, a month just to pay for to watch games? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is the whole like premise behind people cutting the cord. It's like, okay, you're trying to take people back to where they were when most of us were connected. Like you said, whether that was right. with a direct TV or a dish or even just, you know, your, your regular, I guess, Comcast or what have you, one of those companies. But yeah, right, you're yes. slowly but surely trying your best to get fans back to that. And listen, fans bucked the system one time when they basically yep. told you, we're cutting the cord and yep. forget to if yeah, figure you're it out. fearful, they're Yes, they are going to figure it out, and it's not going to be in your favor, by the way. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that, you know, when you, when you talk about, like, uh, 
TV watching habits, like the on demand thing. I understand that that, that is a real thing, like, and I appreciate mm-hmm. it. But I want to be able to watch my shows when I want to watch my shows because yeah. you know a lot of people just aren't sitting down in front of TVs. Like there's nothing that's that good besides NFL football. You know that has me in my seat at a certain time each and every time it comes on. I think football is the only one to be able to achieve that. But I think this is just my might just be a little bit too tough for me to to be able to say hey yeah let me go to the wife and be like hey uh wife um uh 75 dollars a month you know like come on i was like i just can't fix my mouth to say anything like that because at the end of the day i'll watch the falcons and then i'll catch the other stuff somewhere else because i am not i refuse I will not. I don't care how much money I'm making in my life and in my career. I am not paying seventy five dollars for NFL Sunday ticket. Just sorry. Yeah, on sorry. principle. <laughs> on, on principle. principle. <laughs> yes, it's like there are certain principalities that go 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 along with this show, and I think we are on the same page when it when it comes to that type of stuff. So yeah, we uh we want to just say thank you guys for rocking with us and, and, and listen to our complaints about, you know, pricing for uh, NFL football <laughs> um, and, and making us your first listen of the day. Really appreciate you guys for that. And if you are listening to, to us each and every day, that is an everydayer. So if you want to become a, an everydayer, just listen to our podcast every day. It's pretty much simple. And also, we will be, you know, making sure that we will be talking about What's going down with the Atlanta Braves? So make sure you um, come back for that tomorrow. And T, and I only do this, uh, not only, I do this each and every day. And I make sure that I ask people, the people one thing and one thing only. If you don't do anything else for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, make sure, guys, that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.